0: Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. My name is Pastor William Hill, the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. It's great to have you here with me for a Monday, January 29th, 2024. And this is edition number 31 of season nine. We've been going through the book of Deuteronomy. We're coming. Uh, we're coming close to the end of this season. I'm still contemplating what to do for season 10 so stay tuned and should announce that in the next day or two today we find ourselves in deuteronomy chapter 31 let's pray together our father in heaven as we come now again to your word we come asking that you would guide and direct us that your spirit would teach us all things as we read and and, and discuss matters pertaining to this chapter we pray father that as we enter this day, as we go through this day, that we would live it to the glory of your great name, that you would guide and direct us as you've promised to do, that we would trust you with all of our heart, lean not on our own understanding. In all of our ways, acknowledging you, uh, trusting that you will indeed uh, direct our paths. Do that uh, through the ministry of your word, we ask for Christ's sake, amen. Well, Deuteronomy 31 has uh, at least uh, three significant sections that are of interest to us as we consider how this might apply or uh, how it may apply to our uh, Christian life. The the chapter really is one that is a a, a turning point in the uh, the labors of Moses in this book. He's functionally completed his series of sermons and now begins to set the groundwork of the um, the foundation for the successor, his successor, and this successor is given to us in this chapter. I'm just going to read the first eight verses, but I will <clears throat> make some brief comments about other matters that are in this chapter. Joshua 30, or Deuteronomy 31, beginning with verse 1. So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I'm no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sion and Og, the king of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who, gives you, uh, who, get, who goes with you, who will, he will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go, out, uh, you shall go with this with his people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Just a few things to talk about here in these first eight verses. We first note the repetitive, the repeated uh, comments of Moses and how the Lord himself will go before the people to destroy the enemies of God's people, now, this very much applies, as we uh, biblically and theologically look at this matter, this very much applies to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is, of course, the greater Joshua. He is the one who leads his people um, and, and, and develops his kingdom, advances his kingdom, in that all his and our enemies will um, be destroyed as he seeks to bring us into the new heavens and the new earth, which is what the promised land is indeed a picture what we also know is that God himself has appointed a man to do the labors on the ground, uh, to lead the people, to replace Moses, arguably the greatest figure in the Bible outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now Joshua is going to take this, this responsibility to himself that he might faithfully lead uh, God's people. It is interesting here in Deuteronomy 31 that the, the words that are given by Moses to Joshua when he summoned him in verse 7 be strong and courageous. If you just turn over just a few pages into the book of Joshua in that opening chapter in which uh, Joshua now hears from the God of heaven, and we note in um, in verse 6 of joshua 1 be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that i swore to their fathers to give them again verse 7 only be strong and very courageous be careful Um, to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. And then, uh, jumping down to verse 9, Have not I commanded you be strong and courageous? So this refrain is already echoing in the ears of Joshua from a man, from Moses, a man that he learned much from. And now God speaks to him in Joshua 1 to encourage him, to remind him that that the God of heaven will be with him wherever he goes he will help him he will guide him he will direct him he will give him all the the things necessary to accomplish the task and that is exactly what jesus christ does for us today he is working and he is accomplishing his purposes that he might bring you and me gloriously into the new heavens and the new earth. In verse 9, all the way uh, through verse 13, there's the reading of the law, the centrality of the, the very law of God, the word of God in the ears and minds, not only of the people, but of Joshua himself. And in fact, he's reminded to meditate on the law day and night by the Lord himself in Joshua chapter 1. And then in verse 14 to the end of the chapter or almost to the end of the chapter we note the commissioning of Joshua verse 23 and the Lord commissioned Joshua the son of Nun and said be strong and courageous for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give them I will be with you now what we need to note I think when it comes to the appointment of Joshua to succeed Moses is that this is not something that happened by some popularity contest This is not something that happened uh, merely because of the will of the people. In fact, this was by divine fiat. God himself appointed Joshua to succeed Moses. And in much the same way in the church today, we have uh, men who lead the church. They carry that great responsibility to to shepherd and, and guide and direct the souls of the people entrusted to their care. And we call them elders. We note that they have been given that responsibility, but they've been given that responsibility by the Holy Spirit. They haven't been given that responsibility by you or by me. They have ultimately been given that responsibility by God himself. And he ordains them into this office to do this work. It is not a popularity contest. It's not because they have some professional career or some influence in the congregation of some nature. No, it is whether or not they have the Spirit of God upon them to do the very work that they've been commissioned and ordained uh, to do. Now, in our Presbyterian context, we certainly employ the means that God has given to us. Uh, We Uh, nominate men uh, to the office, the congregation recognizes perhaps that a man or men may uh, possess the working of the spirit, calling them into the office of elder or deacon, and the elders then uh, talk with that individual, perhaps the pastor or some other appointee of the session trains that individual, and then they either uh, recommend them to the congregation to vote or they don't. But at the end of the day, regardless of the fact that the congregation votes uh, to approve the recommendation of the elders to appoint a man to guide and direct them and a man that they will say if they vote for him that they can submit to, regardless of all of those aspects, the fact still remains that it is the Holy Spirit that places men in positions of leadership within his church. And joshua is appointed by god himself the elders of your church ultimately are given to you uh, by god himself and there's not room of course or even time to discuss the questions that often come from this well what if you have a bad elder what if you know did god really do that well i can't answer any of those questions because i just simply don't know uh, the mind of the lord in this matter i do know in a perfect world in a perfect situation Uh, This is how it ought to work and how it always and how it ought to go. So, what we learn from this chapter, of course, is that Joshua, as the successor of Moses, will be given the strength and the comfort of the presence of the living God to guide him to do the work he's been given to do. And he has no reason to be worried or fret, and in the same sense, Our Father in heaven has given us his Son that we might draw comfort from the fact that he is building his church and he is leading and guiding us and he will ensure our arrival (laughs) into the heavenly rest. He's given us laws. He's given us his word that we might read it and meditate upon it. And he's given us men appointed by the Spirit of God to direct and lead his church. And all of these things in principle at least come forward in this chapter. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so until the Tuesday edition, when we consider, um, really introduced in chapter 31, that Moses spoke the words of this song until they were finished in the ears of all the assembly of Israel, until we consider that song found in Deuteronomy 32, a rather lengthy song, may the Lord help you today to walk according to his ways. God bless.